namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa namo tassa <coughs> bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa buddhang dhammang sanghang namasami <coughs> Consider what is the <coughs> most important factor of Dhamma practice, in fact, the most important factor of, of life. <laughs> you know, what do you think that is? Is it mindfulness or. Uh, not necessarily so. You know. Mindfulness is just the ability to bear something in mind, to sustain to have attention on something. You can, you know, such a thing as wrong mindfulness, when you just, mind gets locked or focuses on something obsessively, bearing the wrong things in mind, things that cause you obsession or dark states of mind. Um, The most important factor is actually faith. It's a kind of word that, that's the English word we use, trust, faith, confidence, really means, uh, you know, it's the thing that's there whenever we decide to do anything, there's some sense of, oh right, that's the best, or, you know, anytime you kind of think of the future or how you're going to act, there's some act of faith because you don't know, you can't, be certain, but you act, you have an act of faith. I'm thinking, well, I'll do this because that feels about right. You know, you have some trust in your own ability to judge. You know, you know, you have, so it's based upon you know some sense of being able to witness and and, and know for yourself what's feels what's right and what's wrong for you. You know. Anytime. So every time that, that little thing happens all the time, momentarily, some sense of, you know, something gives you, there's all sorts of possibilities, you know, that could or should, might, or somebody else says, but somehow another one becomes decisive. The thing that makes something decisive is, is faith. You, you trust that one. You go for that one. And then because of that, you sustain, you bear that in mind, you sustain mindfulness upon that. You know, and you, you put energy into it, and you investigate it, and you work with it. And without faith, what do you do, you know? Yeah. And so faith is very important. Faith in the, that there is such a thing as a, you know, a choice you can make between skillful, unskillful, right, wrong. However, you know, you know um, that you have a mind that can do that. There's a possibility that you, you can do that. Otherwise, what are you going to do? 
It doesn't mean you, you know, to necessarily big ultimate terms, but just you know, very small things. You you have a sense you can actually know what is going to make you feel better, worse. What's the best you can possibly get out of this situation or that situation? And you have some. Also, there's a, there is that. There's cause and effect. And there's also the, the most even more interesting is that you have, a, you have you you know you have a mind that can do that. If you don't, if you don't. If that isn't there, then you're probably going to be in an asylum. <laughs> right? You know, because you're not safe. Really, you should be looked after. You can't do if that isn't there for you. And it's a word, of course, that has all sorts of connotation, you know, faith, the Christian faith, uh, you know, becomes a big set of beliefs and things of this nature. It's a rather uh, absent word in our vocabulary, not used very much, or it's used in a very kind of um, just purely religious convention thing. Mm. Rather than actually a a faculty of mind everybody has. Interesting, isn't it? And it can easily, because of what we assume, faith must be belief in something. No, no, it's not that. It may, it may, fruit in a sense of real conviction in certain things, but it begins as just the recognition comes out of the um, sense that there's the uncertain. There's uh, the unsatisfactory, and that somehow or another, you know, the mind can select a way that's more useful, better, more helpful. So, in that famous sutta, so sometimes people don't don't like this because it sounds so airy fairy, and you, you have some kind of religious belief. So people like to, to quote the Kalama Sutta, saying, you know, don't believe anything at all, don't believe in teachers, don't believe in traditions, don't believe in books, don't believe, just know for yourself. Which isn't actually what it says, <laughs> you know, for a start. It just says, you, know, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't go on these purely because it's tradition. It doesn't mean you should just discard tradition. It says just, just the fact that it's traditional isn't, isn't a source of confidence. But you can, it doesn't mean you should discard it or affirm it. And also it says you shouldn't believe in your own opinions either. Or something through logic. So if you can't follow your own opinions, or through logic, or through reason, or through a teacher, or what do you do? You know? And the Buddha says, well, you have to recognize you have the ability to know this is skillful, this is unskillful. You have faith in your own mind. Really, it's what it comes down to. So that means it's really, it's wonderful because when you kind of realize that, it's actually everything's being put back into your, you know, you have some choice, you're really given back to you. But you have to exercise that quality and develop it through, you know, Realizing through through say you know that ability to first of all open and trust 
that your mind has the capacity to understand, first of all, cause, uh, good and bad, yeah, first thing. And then you begin to understand cause and effect, that certain things give rise to certain effects. And you begin to discern that sometimes pleasant things give rise to pleasant effects, sometimes pleasant things give rise to unpleasant effects. And you, so, you know, you, you, you begin to understand causality even more than just the principles of pleasure and pain. Mm-hmm. You know, so a lot of pleasant things actually are rather pleasant when we do them, but they give rise to unpleasant effects. You get hangover, you know, you get addictions, you get, uh, um, you know, bad friends or you lose your money because you're having fun. So it's pleasant, otherwise you wouldn't do it. It has a painful effect. Some things are pleasant, have pleasant results, you know, such as act of kindness is a very pleasant thing. I find I enjoy having the opportunity to do something kind. It gives rise to a pleasant in the present, and it gives rise to a pleasant result. One feels um, uplifted, one feels uh, happy in oneself, one gains self-respect, and often... You know, you get you live in a more conducive atmosphere. The cause and effect, very important thing, but to begin to have faith in. Yeah. And really, the even through those, you begin. There's the possibility of recognizing there's an ending of cause and effect. Yeah, which is the the faith of an Aryan, of, a, of a, someone who's realized Nibbana to some degree. You know? And that you, you, so that, you know, even, so maybe you haven't, first of all you have to have some kind of sense that this could end because, it, because it's caused. You know, so one of the principles, this is when uh, Sariputta, when he got turned on to the Dhamma, you know, he was a, he had this. He was a seeker, so he had some sense in which, you know, you can realize some something can be realized as a as a truth or a way out that can be realized. So he had that basic faith, and then he met this arahant, Asaji, who who said these very rather cryptic phrase, um, you know, that that the great his teacher, the great monk, taught the origin of conditioned things and their cessation too, the root origin of, of things that arise from a root cause and they cease when that... So he began to... So that he immediately got this kind of insight that um, it's called conditioning, this, that conditioning, itapachiyata, which means basically if, if you put this factor in, this is going to be the result of it. If you take that factor out, that thing ceases. Yeah. So if you if you once you understand that, you see if a certain causal factor can be abandoned, relinquished, let go of, dropped, then something doesn't happen. You know, if, you know there's a kind of uh, sort of cessation. So yeah, and so that sense in which he, when he got that, hey, this is the way out. That is, there can be a mind free from cause and effect, free from conditioning, free from this, that, this, that, this, that, this, that, this, that, where we're actually always going on 
to try and get the next thing happening and what we should do about the future. That all that all that kind of running on called sangsara that can stop. The mind can be free from that. There is a mind that is free from that. And the Buddha has taught this. Hmm. So and then that's the what's called karma that leads to the end of karma is the particular actions or very wrong word to use but but the inclinations of the mind that bring around that cessation the inclination of detachment the inclination of dispassion the inclination to non-proliferation the inclination to letting go the inclination to to um, relinquishment of attachment those kind of inclinations are the things that lead to cessation so that's that's the kind of you know, and you begin to kind of recognize when you under, when you get some sense of witnessing how everything that arises runs through your mind passes changes. And the mind is not, in other words, you know, you know, mind can some wacky things can happen, and. Uh, Glorious things can happen, and profound convictions can happen, and deeply held views can happen, and whimsies and fancies can happen, and dreadful suspicions and mistrust can happen, and deep love can happen, and compassion can happen. If you notice that um, they all kind of come and go, don't they? And you have one set running for a while, and it really feels like this is this, this is this, and then it, it changes when you go to sleep. And you're not there anymore. Um, you know, it's changed. Sometimes, particularly when you have nights where you don't sleep, it's really interesting. The last night was a sleepless night, and then I, I went to lie down. I didn't somehow the mind didn't want to sleep, so I just lay there for a while, just watching the mind states going to this kind of quasi delirium for about an hour and a half. It's kind of complete wacky delirious imagery. <laughs> and then coming back to the normal level of delirium that I call my waking state <laughs> and I start to take myself seriously and think I've got a future and it's just and there, it's different, different person and it's kind of witnessing but everyone that's arising in the present moment feels like well, you know this is, this is, the, this is the reality and they would carry that sign. Uh, you know, and particularly it can be emotionally very searing and intense. And once you, know, you actually have faith in the mind, not the mind objects, that's the crucial one. Because once you, you're just bearing, you're sparing mind in mind, you see how the whole weathering, the colours, the climate of the mind is continually shifting. Grey, foggy, bright, rainy, damp, miserable, warm, sunny, you know, sometimes slowly, sometimes rapidly. What, what, which one's the real one? You know, because there isn't one. But when do you, you know, for, so for an ordinary person, if you hadn't developed, you know, used the faith to actually contemplate the mind, 
So you, because you realize that in this ability to witness and know, there's something very, very valuable for us. We have faith in that. So you're just bearing your mind in mind, which takes quite a lot of faith, actually, because sometimes you just really want to drown it somewhere, dump it, get rid of it. (laughs) Particularly as emotional colouring is so painful at times, so, so intense at times. But it's that realizing that it, the fact that it's arisen, the fact that it's happened, the fact that you have this, that itself means that it will pass. The very fact that it's present means that it will pass. And that there's a way to um, no longer support a mental state. You know, so you get faith in a path that is with by applying or bearing things like kindness in mind or bearing things like uh, calm in mind or bearing things like death in mind, you remove certain certain causes to support um, unskillful mental states. So with the bringing this in mind leads to the ending of that. This is what's called conditioning. And uh, you, you, you know, that, that's, the, that's the path. You have faith in a path because you begin to see how there is uh, a goal, a fruit, and there's also a potential. The mind itself is the potential. The mind itself is the potential. Because the mind can un- the mind you can understand good and bad gives you confidence. Because with your mind you can understand cause and effect, it gives you confidence in the mind. Therefore, because the mind can witness, you have confidence in the mind. And the more that you, that quality of confidence and faith builds up, the more you're able to. Um, bear your mind in mind because you have the feeling this must there's a, there's a riddle here there's a puzzle here there's factors here that can be removed or changed or will change by themselves and uh, the most important thing is to, to stay with this to, to witness how this happens something can be learned you know we can learn what is there to be learned? This is where you get the whole sense of, of skillful means. The mind can actually acquire skills. So a simple thing I find personally useful is, is considering death, which doesn't sound like a lot of fun. But actually, um, what it does for me is it, it just keeps reminding me that everything that I have now, I will lose. So, appreciate it, don't hang on to it. It's, na- it's the nature, everything 
its nature is I will lose it, it will be taken away from me, yeah, my own body. Therefore, don't get proliferating, don't get tangled in it, don't hang on to it, don't build things on it. And that keeps things a lot lighter. It's not, you know, I've never actually regretted reflecting on death. I've always found it beneficial. Mm. This is absolutely inevitable. You know, so it's often kind of painful to recognise that all the people around me will die, will leave me. I don't enjoy that. But the end, so it's a painful, as um, a painful beginning, but it has a pleasant result in that a sense of, well, while you're here, I appreciate the fact that you even came into my life, you know, rather than saw it as some kind of permanent thing that was always going to be there. thinking in the, in the community, you know, when people leave, like with Sister Tanya um, leaving, one could feel, you know, some sense of loss and, and uh, many things actually, but first of all that, and then just realise that this is actually absolutely inevitable. <laughs> you know, you either go out on your back or you go out on your feet one day or another. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. So then you do that thing. Well, it's wonderful the fact that she even came in in the first place. <laughs> that that wasn't certain. You know, what wasn't certain was birth, the arising. What was certain was death, the separation. So actually, I kind of bear that in mind. I think, oh well, yeah, well, but it was great. You know, it's been really so wonderful. You know, to to have had that possible you know, contact. You know, appreciate things, so that I find that that does help. You know. And when I reflect on my own life, then realizing you know to, to die, you know, and most every day we we dedicate share merit with somebody who's died, and the, they're starting to sound a lot younger these days. <laughs> I think. You know, you're on a conveyor belt and I'm starting to see the guys ahead of you tumbling off one side or another. Go, oh, I wonder what this means. <laughs> Fortunately, no, no one's actually helping with my feet yet. But <laughs> Oh, right. So what do you want to do? Yeah. What do you want to do? It keeps clearing it, doesn't it? It keeps clearing the, the desktop, all the clutter of the sense of you've got to do this, you've got you haven't got to do it because you might die tomorrow. And then what will happen, you know? So I think about this monastery and how this, that, and the other. Well, you die tomorrow. Right. So why don't I die now and enjoy it? You know, just die every night. Sense of, instead of worrying about how it's going to be and I want it like this and like that, and the other, just die. And then you think, oh, great, now the place doesn't hang around my neck like a weight. And then one can actually appreciate it, and the fact that it's here in the first place. So you see, cause, you know, when you, there's an act of faith there sometimes to pick up that which is actually unpleasant. 
And to pick up the unpleasant, the source of grief, the source of of, um, anguish. Which of course most people death is very much so. And I, you know, I'm not saying anything like you know, one shouldn't have grief. No, no, it's not that case. But you know, to really, the, you pick it up before the stuff hits you. Then you, you're you're going to be a lot better when it does. Mm-hmm. You'll be able to move also to really to move through the grief. Yeah. Because you've got something and you really begin to understand how all conditions will pass, including this. And if there's faith in your mind, faith in the law, faith in the truth of conditionality, you'll become stronger and wider and brighter because it won't terrorize you. It won't overwhelm you. It won't intimidate you. You'll be frightened of it, feeling betrayed by it, or bitter because of life. The whole life has been is a gift. We're we're here to learn. Yeah, and we're here to learn about how to cause and effect, and that we we can go beyond. The mind goes beyond cause and effect, and there are certain skills that we can learn to facilitate that. Sometimes the, you know, Theravada Buddhism particularly sounds, seems a bit negative because I think about corpses and things that disgust us and (laughs) death and (laughs) loathsomeness and weariness with everything. But this is, uh, it's really you know, you should, it's there for it when one has faith. You know, these, this is the kind of stuff that normally we wouldn't touch with a ten-foot barge pole, because mm. these are not these are these are unpleasant. But they uh, they are there for when you, when you when you have that quality of faith, then you can use them because you realise that the, that every condition, you know you can pick it up and make use of it. And what we tend to not pick up and make use of are the ones that start off as unpleasant, frightening, dismal, saddening. And those are the ones that perhaps one needs the encouragement to pick up. Because they are like a kind of purgative medicine. Mm. They purge the mind of clinging to body, to future to other beings to you know whatever and then you're picking up not from a point of view of of, um, this is all there is everything's like this but from the point of view of of faith you realize this these particular conditions will actually have an effect that you'll benefit from and that's that's why it's not really, you know, eventually the Dhamma is none of these things. It's not about 
impermanence or unsatisfactoriness or not self. It's not about any of these things. These are the these are the characteristics that you can focus on in order to clean out the underpinnings uh, that keep one hanging on and intimidated and desperate and lost. Eventually, the Dhamma is none of this. There's no characteristic <coughs> apart from freedom. Just as the mind itself finally actually has no characteristic except freedom. This is why so many things can pass through it and nothing sticks for long because its nature is free. Anyone?